When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast, the podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development, keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen and founder of podcastingwithpurpose.com. Now, my guest today believes that a sense of discovery unfolds when you realize you don't need to set the world on fire. Simply set yourself on fire and watch the world come to meet you. And joining me on today's show is Jacqueline Nagel. While she was once a CEO, a GM and a consultant, she continues to be a lover of conversation and ideas, coffee, wine and sunshine. And she's also a self-claimed professional and personal development fanatic. She is a believer in possibility and a strategist with an instinctive view of how to position for maximum results. Still secretly a kick-ass sales trainer showing people how to rapidly ramp up results. She's passionate about working with professionals, entrepreneurs and consultants to unlock what they know, the expertise they have and the experience they hold to be able to make a dent in the world through speaking, pitching and presenting from a position of strength and power. Now on today's show, Jacqueline's going to share what's wrong with speaker training in the current marketplace, especially when it comes to business owners and entrepreneurs. She's going to teach you how to actually guarantee that you show up as an authentic speaker every time that you get the opportunity guess what it's not what you think it is she's also going to talk about the one thing that she can guarantee is missing from your pitch and that this one is a difference maker welcome to the show Jacqueline thank you very much thanks for having me we know that there is so much noise and clutter in the online space uh, even on you know people speaking and speaking on different different topics so I love how you're really going to support us getting our message out there but very much in an authentic way. So share with us, I always love the backstory. How did you yeah. get into to doing what you're doing now? Obviously there's a journey to, to that. Share more about how, how you got into this area. Yeah, look, it's, it's not a journey I expected. I'll be very honest about that. So it's sort of my entire career I've been looking at, um, I've trained, I fell into speaking myself as a business general manager in my late 20s. I've been very good at being behind the scenes and never ever speaking and had a consulting team that I used to push to the front to you know, build the brand and not my profile. And then I was forced into speaking one night at an event where I got caught between fear and obligation. And I, the way I describe that experience with very little time to think, I came off the stage and I had a number of requests for me to speak at more events. And I would say that the best way to describe it is I was like the shy, quiet teenager that discovers crack cocaine. <laughs> so I went from one extreme to the other. And I realized after a period of time that every time that over the period of time I've been speaking a lot of events, 
our business was increasing. Mm. I then realized that if I spoke and I had my very clever consulting team in the room at the same time, our business would spike and very rarely come back to where it had been. Mm -hmm. And then over about six to 12 months, I realized that we were becoming the media go-to people for commentary, not just on recruitment, which was our space, but on everything to do with what we were learning with our clients and our candidates. Yes. So I decided to get really serious and I became really obsessed and I spent a fortune myself on training and not just on speaking, on speaking, on facilitation, negotiation, whatever I could find. Mm. And coming back and implementing that in our teams and our workforces, I was able to build consultants with no experience in our industry up to seven-figure portfolios. So Mm. if they sort of did the work and took the training, I could make them successful. And so I just always didn't realise how valuable a skill that was. Mm I went from recruitment and that was a massive business. We took from 4 million to 22 million as a result of learning those skills and getting out and taking a platform. And I then launched an industrial relations consulting business amongst other things. And I became very good at enterprise bargaining agreements, which was, I did 27 of them, which for those of you in the world who know what they are, um, most people think they're terrifying. I think they're kind of great, a lot of fun. Um, You know, and that's not to say I had an easy ride. We had, you know, unions blockading and we had graffitis on roofs. And, but I found that that ability to speak and to pitch and to understand how to negotiate really put me in the front stead. Was I the best industrial relations consultant in town? No. Mm. Did I know how to speak and did I know how to pitch? Absolutely. And then I went on and so, you know, lots of various different iterations and eventually found myself as CEO of a traffic control company. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a situation where every single bit of my speaking, pitching, presenting, communication skills, everything that I had was really put to the test. I was the first C-suite female in the industry in the state when I took that role on. Um, we had a reasonably dysfunctional culture and we had major tenders under threat. So there was a lot of work to be done that all came down to the ability to communicate, obviously to back it up with action. And that's mm. one thing we'll touch on soon. Mm. So I that role and I, I got really annoyed at what was going on in the speaker training world because when I went through 15, 18 years ago, doing all the different facets, it was very much about showing who you were and, and being the expert in the room and really gifting knowledge. Mm. And then I went to a couple of different showcases for speaker training and for pitch fests. And one in particular really got me annoyed. And it was all about um, final 10 pitches, the best people in the program, they'd spent a fortune, 10 month program. And every single person who came on the stage sounded exactly the same as each other. Mm-hmm. And no one gave me any indication of why I should do work with them. And I just sat there going, these people have invested time and money. And I'm going to be really honest, mm-hmm. it really pissed me off. Yeah. I walked out there and I went, something's gone wrong. So I went and had a look at all the speaker training out there. And when it came to entrepreneurs and business owners, there were certain things that were happening that had been lost along the way. And then I started turning up to lots of networking events and then realized that I could start to tell which speaker had been trained by which speaker trainer. Because oh. that was so formulaic. There was, mm. you know, even though they were putting their own ideas. And, and then I started feeling, have you ever felt like you've heard this speech before, even though you've never yes. heard the person? Mm-hmm. My curiosity up, and I was like, What's going on here? So, I went and did a lot of exploring, and then so that was that part of it. I got pissed off about what was happening for speaker training and pitch training. Yes, and then the second thing was, and remembering as well, one of the things I keep forgetting, I've personally secured more than 20 million dollars in sales in my career, Mm. so I do know a thing or two about selling and pitching. The second thing was, was that all of the speaker training was very focused on get you up on your feet for two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, presenting without notes. Don't worry about what you're presenting. It's just getting the formula right. Mm -hmm. And I went, there's a couple of things here. 
If you're already not confident, getting on your, on your feet in a big room can be A, confrontational, but B, it gives you an initial adrenaline blast that doesn't actually help you once you're outside of the room. Mm-hmm. And B, people are walking out of those rooms still not knowing how to put their own expertise into this new formula that they've got. So I decided to deconstruct what I'd done, deconstruct what I'd learned years ago and put it all together. And we created a pilot program last year, which we put 70 people through before we created the brand. And I should say I created the brand. I'm, you know, driving this thing. Um, And it worked. And we had people coming through the rooms with extraordinary results. So that's how I got to here. Wow. Um, If you told me even a year ago that I would be so in love with what we do with this, I would have laughed in your face. Mm. It's amazing how um, so much of your background and experience and learnings can so often be when we look at our business go full circle and what we start to love to do and bring bring to the world so let's talk about what's wrong with speaker training you've already hinted to that that they're teaching models systems and processes which very much takes out the who are you and that's so important because if someone's not aware of who they are and their mannerisms you could be talking about the exact same thing or topic yet how you bring that across the experience that you create for your audience is going to be different than you know another 10 people because they're different and, and, and as far as what they bring to the table so share what are some key things in your training or that you know is so important when someone is getting up to present they have to be aware and have clarity around this otherwise it we just I, I guess it really is just adding to the noise isn't it and the blah 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 because we sound the same as everyone else absolutely and you know and one of the th- one of my clients has actually framed it perfectly she talks about because we now have all these avenues to speak she says I've realized that just because you can speak doesn't mean you should mm. right so we all have these platforms so we all think that we're great speakers and quite a lot of us are just taking up air so the things that are wrong there's a, the fundamental thing that i really got cranky about a few years ago a couple of years ago was when it, it seemed as though as soon as you put business owner or entrepreneur into the target audience for speaker training it all became about selling from stage a massive hype and seeding a pitch and being on celebrity stages so sort of by association so there's a couple of things that happen with that if you are focused on a model or a formula that takes you through a sales process and you have to get your audience to certain places to for the end result you don't show up because you're actually in your head thinking about the next step the next part of the model the next part of the process the next da, 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 da. and so if you are seeding a pitch or selling from the stage you actually don't show up fully because a lot of your content time has to be given up to the process right so at least a third if not two-thirds of your content time when you're on a stage using those models you're not even present because you're going through the process and making sure that you're getting them to where you need them to be that was the first thing so the thing that annoyed me about that was what happened to just being so damn good at what you know and what you share that the raving fans come and find you Mm -hmm. right and it's better work i'll be really honest and there's lots of things i can speak to it's better work So then the other thing that I decided to flip on its head was we start with looking at who you are before we even look at what you're going to speak about. And that is because I want to look at who you are and amplify that. So a lot of us get nervous about public speaking because we think we have to be this or we have to be that. Whereas in actual point of fact, we have to be what's here. And so, you know, so if you are naturally a certain character style or a certain personality style, you have to amplify that. And the best way I have to describe that is people will say to me oh my god i need to speak i know it's my next step and i want to be funny and it's like i say are you funny in real life Mm -hmm. 
because the thing is if you're not funny in real life chances are you are not going to be funny on stage yes so, so the first true. thing is actually stripping back and understanding who we are at a core from a personality perspective so we really go into that um because once and one of the things that i find is that once we do that people's confidence goes through the roof because mm. all of a sudden they've got permission to be who they are they don't have to be something else okay, so that's where we start the other thing is is that i flip the thinking so there's we always talk about what we're going to speak about we always think about what we're going to tell people so we we get very clear on that what but we get clear on the what for the audience not for ourselves mm. right? then we get clear on the why for the audience not for ourselves and then we get really clear on the gift so chris anderson who's a curator of ted talk says very clearly that every time we speak we have the opportunity to give mm. and i love that philosophy and what i describe it as is there's a part of the the structure that we teach people which we call the engine room and that's where the gift is and the gift to me is what is it you're leaving on the table that the audience can take away and use straight away mm -hmm. right it's a totally flipped lens because all of a sudden anything that's just a great story or just a great philosophy or whatever if it doesn't speak to the what the why and the gift it goes mm -hmm. right yes. and so we really flip that thinking to what is the audience actually going to take away and not just because i don't want people just to be motivated so motivation is great but i think it's zig ziglar has a quote you know motivation is great um and but so is bathing neither last that's why we recommend you do it daily mm. so there's a way that we motivate people and get them connected and believing us, but then we have to do the engine room and the engine room where we do the gift. That is how people remember you beyond, Oh my God, she was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's when they walk out and they go, oh, I could do that tomorrow. Yeah. Or, Oh my God, she shifted my thinking or, you know, it's that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what embeds you into the memory of the people that you're speaking with. Yes. Yes. As you were sharing that, all of those things, absolutely integral and also of importance. I think often when we're trying to be something that we're trained uh, in, in someone else's process, as you say, we almost become little mini thems. Uh, yeah. And then also too, I think it, it, it creates a, a, a barrier if you will, between you and the audience, because you're always thinking ahead, now what's the next point? What's the next point? Rather than being present with the people and, and really giving of content and being engaged. And obviously if you've hit on a point and everyone's leaning in and, and just the expressions on their face is an engaging one, you know that you can spend time and really dive deeper into that. So it makes so much sense. And we all know that we've been to presentations like that. Then there, there might be five people who speak and everyone just sounds the same, mama, 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 at the end of the day. I know, I'm sorry to say that, but I've been to a number of those. I'm laughing because I, and I'm sure the audience will be laughing as well. You can really, really resonate. We can yeah. And then all of a sudden the, the, the tone changes slightly, but it just gets even louder because you know, oh, here comes the pitch or here comes the push, the salesy, pushy um, thing. So very, very important. Yeah. You actually hit on something really important there as well. Like one of the things that I say to people when I work with them is we talk about the fact that we have the opportunity to speak or present or do a pitch and we talk about the audience and what they need to get out of it but even then we forget that the connection the bridge between the two is actually us mm. right so the bridge between what we're talking about and the audience loving it is actually us yes so if we're not turning up and being fully present and there's a whole range of things that we put in place to make sure that you can be yeah. but if we're not turning up and fully present then your audience won't be either and it's it's, a, it's an intangible they won't be able to articulate it mm -hmm. 
but they mm-hmm. just know that you're not fully there and either should they be. Yeah, yeah. And then when you do what you say and all of the other things that I'm sure you teach in, in your trainings, people will say, I don't know what she has or he has. I want what she's got, you know, <laughs> because of that, just the approach and just the confidence, the way that people hold themselves. And I think the difference is, is because they know who they are. This is the content and this is the value and, and how I really want to help you. You can t- yeah. really tell those speakers that come through that really the heart of why they're there is to really make an impact and to yeah. give of such incredible value that it is going to change thinking. It's going to challenge thinking and at the end of the day, give some really key steps to implement. And of course, if if we want further details, we'll connect with uh, their people at the back of the room. Something else you're going to talk about how to guarantee that we do show up as an authentic speaker every time you get the opportunity and it's not what you think it is. I know you've already hinted at a number of different things, <laughs> but I'm sure you've got more to, to disclose. So what's this thing? Yeah. So one of the things is that people believe that they have to be seen to be the smartest in the room, mm-hmm. right? And they have to be seen to be on trend in the latest things. So the one way to guarantee you turn up as authentically as possible is we actually um, and some people really freak out when we're in the training rooms. I don't let you touch laptops or Google, Dr. Google, until mm. the last 10 minutes or the last brush over of a script mm. because what's happening is we're going to make sure we're on trend and this is where we start hiding. This is where we start sounding the same as everyone and this is where we start stop showing up with what we know to be true. Mm. So the thing that I talk to people about and then the process I take them through is unlock what you have first mm-hmm. and there's a brainstorming process to make sure that so you know when you create a list of 100 things i want to do before i die mm-hmm. the first 20 or 30 are really easy the next 20 or 30 are a little bit harder and the last 40 you need a bloody bottle of wine to get through them right yes. so so it's the same with this you keep going and going you literally empty our brains because that's where the gold is mm-hmm. and that's where the stuff that is uniquely you is and nobody can replicate that so we may have to go to dr google fonts for some images or for some research or some data or for some quotes to back it up but you already know your stuff otherwise you wouldn't be getting the opportunity to speak so that's one of the biggest hacks is in a lot of these rooms people are going straight to what's trending what's the keywords what is google telling us forget google be you and you can't be you if you're going to the google stuff first right and so yes. that's one of the big things is that you actually your knowledge is more valuable than anything you can find online mm, so true and and i think so many of us can at times one time or another devalue our experience and i think when we marry together our experience our knowledge along with some statistics and case studies our own or others when we can marry that together that provides a fantastic overview but brings element that's unique to us and that only we can share and bring to the story because it's uniquely us. What is it that you find? I mean, often we look at other people and compare and when we do get into that comparison mode, we get stuck and we devalue that. Are there some other things that you see often happening with women where we don't really want to dive deep into really let's bring out what is just uniquely us and that no one else can replicate? What are some things that you find? And it's really interesting because if I have many women in a workshop and most of my rooms are 80 to 90% women, if I have many women, we have to spend a lot of time in this area. If I have many men, we skip through it, right? Because men just accept that they should show up. They are usually full of more hot air than we are, but they don't have a challenge around why they should show up as themselves. So with women, the main thing that I actually find is the imposter syndrome and that internal chatter. Am I good enough? 
who would really want to listen to me? Is my knowledge really that special? Does my experience really count? So some of it is just simply not having a roadmap to get it out in a format that people will love and fall in love with. But a lot of it is the internal chatter. So we, the people that I work closely with, we do a lot of mindset work and not surface stuff. Like there's stuff like, you know, get rid of the adrenaline through doing wall push-ups. There is stuff like the power zone. There is the power pose with Amy Cuddy. There's all these quick hacks. But actually, in actual point of fact, the true way to get to a point where you're turning up and you accept that your stuff is good enough is actually doing some of the deeper mindset work. And there's mm -hmm. there's certain exercises that I used to do that, but we've got to rewire our thinking, particularly as women. Because yes. the only thing stopping us is that internal voice. The only thing stopping us is the way that we think. Mm -hmm. And I know myself, whenever I go into my own head and start questioning and let that little imposter syndrome stand up, that's when I fall over. Yes, you know? so true. If I just accept that I've got something worth sharing, everything starts to unfold. But as women, we go right into that imposter syndrome, right into that, am I good enough? You know, mm. it's that whole story. You know, the next board position, the guy with five out of 10 ticks will take it and the woman with nine out of 10 ticks will think I'm not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. um, yes. You know, so a big part of when I work with women is absolutely rewiring our own internal thinking. Mm -hmm. So, so true. And I think uh, one of the things that I often see, and I'm sure you do as well, is that when women give ourselves permission to just show up authentically with transparency, sharing the highs and also the lows, when we do that well, that's when we really relate at a far deeper level to often the people in the room because it's then that we realize that we're not the only ones that have gone through those struggles and the learnings others have as well and if we've got insights and knowledge and experience to help someone get through that and we've allowed you know that that transparency to really connect and engage that's when people say you know what I want to work with you I'm sure you find that a lot of times with the women who go through your course I actually, one of the things, and I'll, I'll just touch on it is I always say to people, everyone in the room should love the experience of hearing from you, but you only ever want a handful to really fall in love and become mad raving fans. Because if everyone said, I want to sign up with you, it'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah. But the way that we make sure that we get the right people turning up, because that's the other thing, you don't want the people, <laughs> you just go, oh my God, you're an energy vampire. Mm -hmm. um, you want the right people for you turning up and my right person is different to your right person. But the way that we do that is absolutely through sharing, but through sharing on purpose. So there is mm -hmm. also a double-edged sword in the rush to be authentic and vulnerable and everything else that we're trying to be and do is that it's not all... Not all stories and not all experiences are created equal. So even though it might be an amazing story, if it doesn't actually speak to the what, the why, and the gift, mm. then it actually doesn't belong in that presentation, that speech, or that pitch. And that's one of the mistakes we make. One of the things that I see a lot of the time is that once women get really comfortable with being authentic and vulnerable and sharing from the heart, mm -hmm. they share everything. Mm. But we're not there to serve ourselves. We're there to serve our audience. So we've got to be clear on that what, that why, and that gift, which is what I call the filters. Mm. And we shape the stories of our experience to those three filters. And that's when it becomes powerful. That's when certain people in the room will come and say, it's like you're inside my goddamn head. Mm. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, absolutely really true. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that, a very, very important point, which as you say, you can share too much, but you just want to have the right points to include. And that's when it's really powerful. And if people aren't sure, we're going to share how to get in touch with you so that you can support them in doing that. What's this one thing that you can guarantee is going to be missing from our pitch? And this is going to be a difference maker. <laughs> so the pitch, um, one of the things is, uh, so if I give you some background to where I first realized this, Years and years ago, I was very good at uh, pitching and winning business in the recruitment space um, in regional Queensland. So not a traditionally easy space. And I, my, my win ratio on tenders started falling from about 80%, which was high, to around about 45 to 50%. Whilst the people around me were saying, that's still amazing. I was like, no, I've done something here. I've missed something. It's shifted. Mm. And what it was, the shift was, it was when boards and leadership team started asking for tender responses to be discussed via PowerPoint. So instead of being at the end of a boardroom table and communicating and, and connecting with everyone, they were watching the PowerPoint screen behind me. They had a slide deck in front of them printed out by their executive assistant and I wasn't getting the connection. So that was number one. So number one is even if I'm asked to do a PowerPoint presentation, I never take it off the first slide until I've finished speaking. Okay. Mm. Number two is the one thing that we forget, there's two, and I'm going to go into three altogether. So the first one was, if you were asked to do it by PowerPoint, don't kill the presentation through PowerPoint, just leave it on the first one, because no one's going to interrupt you while you're speaking, right? The second one is, is that we forget to paint, we, we're very good at talking to what the solution is. We're very good at talking to what our understanding of their requirements are. What we forget, and the thing that really shifted my world was, we should actually open, so TED Talks, for example, open with this one big, bold idea, right? So we should be opening a pitch with the world that is possible when this thing is done. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. is the impact of this thing being done? Whatever the solution is, go to that and paint a picture of the world that's possible once we've done this thing, right? right. And then come back into the solution, the milestones, the investment. Mm -hmm. Then at the end we always go into you know like terms and conditions and guarantees put that in writing in a proposal document that supports your pitch because where you want to actually end up when you are pitching and actually presenting to pitch is you want to end up giving them a promise and the promise is not a money back guarantee the promise is not a kpi the promise is I promise you that if we take this journey together, I'm going to be by your side. Mm. That means that when things are not working, I'm going to be right there with the solution before you even know it's coming off track. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, we're going to do it together. We're going to celebrate and high five. So it's, you know, it's different wording for everybody. Yes. But what they're actually looking for is surety. You know, I've worked in industrial relations, mining services, civil construction. It's all about surety. Mm. And what amazes me when we come out into small business, which is, most business is that we actually lose sight of that so as soon as we step into the official tender and pitch land that's big business we know that it's surety that we're selling mm. in the small business environment we forget about that so it's about the world that is possible once this thing is done not just this is the solution this will be the outcomes but what does the world look like mm. what does the world look like when this thing is done and then ending it with a promise that you will be part of it with them you're mm. going to be you know it's not just about saying we'll have a collaborative relationship it's my promise to you is if we choose to do this work together i will yeah 
Yeah. I can see how that can make such a difference because if we put our consumer hat on, if someone is speaking to us, we feel like, well, obviously that they care, but they're going to be with us, supporting us every step of the way so that there's no possibility for being left in the lurch and, you know, confused and everything. And so often we might also, as you say, put all of the terms and conditions, the finer print stuff in with the document, but we don't have to go in the ins and outs because that almost becomes overwhelming, isn't it? And then they lose that promise of value and that connection and what are we going to be able to achieve and we're going to have a handheld and all of that. All of a sudden we switch into the little ins and outs which really can be added. That kind of stuff, once we go over and confirm with them, yes, we're going to be there every step of the way, that kind of stuff is just going to be, well, we'll we'll, we'll look at that but that's not really the the crux of the decision making yeah 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 they're buying belief they're buying and it's not even belief in you Mm. it's believing that this will work if you're part of the equation yeah yeah do you see then that often when we are putting a presentation or a pitch together that this is often missed do you also see in which the sequence that we deliver and maybe the time that is spent on each of those components is also crucial Uh, or or a number of those things in combination probably a combination because it depends Mm. on each person's background and experience and some people do it naturally it's just a matter of turning it into being on purpose yeah um, volition so what i do find is most people miss how to actually do the flow yeah so a lot of people actually have all the elements or they're actually doing it all but it's just because the flow is not right they're not taking their audience on a journey so you know we talk a TED talk or an amazing keynote speaker, you know, the people that we just go, oh my God, I could listen mm. all day. It's because they take us on a journey and a flow. And the way I describe it to people is no matter how you're speaking, it needs to be something that your audience can logically follow. Mm, yeah. And, and logically follow in this instance is a double whammy. So it's both the heart and the mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if both can follow the journey, then you can take them with you. Yeah. But if you are jolting or jumping, even if all the information is there, if it doesn't flow in a sequence that's easy for your audience to come along with, then you will lose them. Yeah, because there's some hesitation there and doubt, isn't it? And yeah. I think it goes through and speaks maybe a little bit differently, but what you were saying earlier on about when we do follow a system too much, we stop ourselves, that, that you know, who we are and that level of engagement to come to the conversation. Many of us, you know, as women, we're a little bit hesitant about proposals and pitching because we're a little bit nervous. When we don't have that flow and it does sound disjointed, that can set up a disengagement too or, or a, an atmosphere where the cl- potential client is thinking, does this person really believe what they're actually saying to us? So this is where and the flow is important. That's like, you know, it's one of the things where particularly as women, it's like, you know, um, they said, no, the market's not right. They don't have the budget. They don't have this. And there's all these things that I hear. And, and granted, 15 to 20% of the time, mm. that's going to be correct, right? Mm. But there's a lot of the time that we're missing out on business simply because we're not showing up. Yes. And it's about not wanting all of the business. So when we go after all of the business, mm. we go after just following the process and things like that. We end yep. up with clients that we don't like, that burn us out, that drain our energy, mm-hmm. that sometimes even kill our business. Yes. Right? When we actually understand how to show up and how to be able to resonate with those clients that we want, then business becomes a lot more fun and mm. a lot more light. Mm. You know, one of those things when... I had my big labor hire teams running with the recruitment business. I mean, we were turning over $20 million a year at one point. Mm-hmm. And none of my labor hire desk consultants worked outside of standard business hours. Yeah. Wow. Which was unheard of in the industry, but it's because of the way that we pitched and the way that we set things up. Mm. 
its own. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I think so many of the business women that we speak to, they're service-based businesses, so they're providing their expertise. And when they are very much purpose-driven and heart-centered, their business is very much part of who they are. So when they get a no, it can feel like a real personal rejection. And we yeah. only need to get a couple of no's to think, oh my goodness, is it me? But as you say, well, no, it, it may just, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, so, so, I mean, I can relate to well, that too. You've sort of touched on it a little bit already, but, you know, um, we get in our own way as women, mm. um, you know, and we take things so much more personally as women. But the other thing as well is one of the things that I find really interesting is that when I get a woman, whether it's in business, consulting teams, whatever my role has been previously, whenever I get them to actually strip away that internal imposter voice or mm. that internal, you know, voice of doubt, they outperform men every single time. Wow. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. You know, Fantastic. so it's we really are, the way that we think is actually the only thing stopping us. So when mm. we get really... So I just delivered sales training across the country for one of our biggest brands and they were probably 70% men in the room and they all went out and executed fast, mm. right? And the women took their time. So it was across five locations and the women took their time. But now sometime out from that training being delivered as we're doing the follow-throughs, the women are the ones that are starting to over. So the men had massive big hits of success straight away. Mm -hmm. And then plateau. The women have doing this gradual up, and they're just starting to go past their results, mm, right? Because amazing. once we get out of our own way and we understand that there is a way to do this that is authentic and true to who we are, mm -hmm. we are actually much more powerful than the men in our world. Yeah, amazing and exciting. And I would absolutely, uh, I've seen that happen too, uh, both myself and and for other women who finally you know, make peace with that inner critic um, and imposter syndrome no longer is an issue. So share with us, Jacqueline, what is the best way for people to connect with you, to find out more about the services that you offer? What's the best way? So the best way is there's two ways. Um, we're, build, we're now building a Facebook presence because I now know that this stuff works. So there is Speakable You is a Facebook page and there's an there's a actual closed Facebook group on that that you can ask to join where I share a lot of extra resources that are free. Mm -hmm. You can go to the website, which is speakableu.com, and there is a range of information there. There's some free courses. There's also obviously our paid courses. Um, and one of the other things is, and I don't know how we do this, but we've just actually released our webinar, that series that we run. It's a live replay accessible at any time while I'm overseas. I'm overseas for the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. So while I'm overseas, we're actually making one of the recorded webinars available just generally. So oh, there fabulous. is maybe go to the Facebook page and let us know that you'd like to, you know, um, hear that or listen to that webinar um, we can and it goes really into the elements that we use to pull together these things yeah fantastic well it's been such a delight speaking with you today Jacqueline and I can see that you would really make such an impact into this area and I know for many women who've been hesitant to even have those sales conversations and to pitch and even to get up on stage once they do get, and I say get over themselves, because really it is around that mindset often that holds them back, then they realise just how much fun it is because they are making such a difference in the lives of their clients now that you know, they're working with them and, of course, their audience who they're able to connect with on a much deeper level and make that impact there. So I'm sure we'll all rush out to go and check out your Facebook page and, of course, the webinar. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. 
Well, that brings us to the end of another show. I know that you've taken away so much uh, great insights. I know I certainly have. Now, if this is the very first time that you have joined us for Business Women Australia, if you want to know how you can become part of this dynamic collective of leaders and learners so you can gain the knowledge and skills that will enable you to succeed in business and corporate life, then go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au.